I'm ready to make my credits count. I'm ready to take classes from a university that will help me build on my experience to prepare me for the future. A university that will make me feel supported, encouraged, and connected. Click this ad or go to online.odu.edu today. And this is Juvenalia, a podcast where we talk to an interesting person about a piece of culture that was important to them when they were young. Uh, if you remember earlier in the year, we had Caroline O'Donoghue in to guest host some episodes, and we had a lot of free time in between those two episodes, so we decided to record another episode about The Sims. So Caroline O'Donoghue is still here, and Hi. it's just me and her. Hey, everybody. <gasps> I come to you from the distant past. Yeah. It's Ju- July. July. Yeah. Yeah. We're going, to, we're going to talk about The Sims. We said we just have an old chat about The Sims. I know. Yeah. Um. So yeah, we were talking because um we, because of the little gap we had in between guests, we decided we'd try and find something that meant something to both of us as mm-hmm. kids. And turns out, uh, I mean, you've already done a Simpsons episode. Yeah. Which I was not invited to be on. <laughs> um. But The Sims is something that we both loved. Yeah, totally. So tell me your experience in The Sims. I don't even remember how it came into my house. I don't remember anybody buying it. Just appeared in my house, which I think is the case for maybe a lot of people with The Sims. Yeah, it was definitely The Sims One. Oh sure, yeah. Um, which came out in two thousand, which is a very long 2000. time ago. Two thousand, two thousand, pre nine eleven. Pre nine, it was a pre nine eleven <laughs> world. Uh, sofas were simple, gardens were simple, simples yeah. were simple. Um, yeah, and it's just so I was how old? I was fifteen, fifteen or sixteen by the time mm-hmm. I was playing it, which is quite old to get into The Sims, I guess, but. I was obsessed, like, straight away. Yeah. It's so... I think everybody has a nesting instinct, I guess, and it's just part of that. And Do you think that's what it is? I think so. Yeah. Every Everyone wants to see... Because I remember I used to um, have, like, uh, computer magazines, and they would have ads for build your own computer. Mm-hmm. And you would, like... It would have, like, options for everything. And you would, like, go... I, I wonder what my dream computer would be like. And you would <laughs> just pick the best of everything. I think that's what Sims is like as well. It's like, yeah. if you did the best of everything, what would you do? Because nobody played it without cheats. That's the thing, isn't it? Ever. So, so um, the thing about it is that like uh, you you'd start off and everything in your house would be shit. Like you, yeah. or like you'd like have this like like tiny little like crap house that was basically a box, and you'd have like the toaster oven instead of a uh, an oven, and uh, that would yeah. always be on fire. And you'd yeah. eat like snacks, crisps that came out of the fridge. Yeah, which is mad. Yeah, and, freezing like, cold nachos. Freezing yeah. cold nachos. <laughs> And you'd sleep in a camp bed and then like you'd slowly kind of upgrade as you kind of climbed up the career ladder. It was just like sort of the kind of American dream slash capitalist dream of, oh, you you start from the bottom and then you get there. Yeah. Um, and you upgraded your stuff slowly around you. And that was always really thrilling. Like when you could finally afford like a shower. So you actually paid a property? Oh, no, at first I did, like in the okay. pre-cheat world. Like, oh, no, I, I started with cheats straight away. Oh, did you? Because yeah. you had rosebud from the beginning. So it was... It was Klapaukius or something in Sims 1. Was it? Yeah, it was like K-L-A-P-C-I-U-S or something. Okay. And then uh, comma, semicolon, comma, semicolon. Yes, to repeat the cheat over and over again. Yeah, so you just give yourself a million. Yeah, Rosewell was Sims 2 onwards. Yeah. It was something different than the first one. But yeah, like I didn't even really play the game so much in the Sims 1. I would just do the cheat, build a house, and then that would be it. I'd be done. I'd kind of... You wouldn't be. You weren't up for like you know having them ascend the career ladder or like make friends or anything? Not particularly. I was just... Well, making friends, but then it just... Once it got multitasking, I just got less interested. Yeah. I was just pausing it and building a nice thing. And then 
I should just give gotten a dollhouse, really. Just, <laughs> that's, that's really what I Yeah, but like. it was like a dollhouse that you could be invo- in, interested in regardless of what gender yeah. you were. And even uh, something I read about The Sims before coming on here was the um, creator, whose name I've forgotten again. Will Wright. Will Wright. Yeah. Um, he created the game uh, after he had lost all of his possessions in a fire. Oh, Which yeah. is so weird considering that's how most games of Sims end. <laughs> which yeah. is setting the house on fire because you're bored. That's true. <laughs> you build this beautiful house. Um, you make everybody in the house have sex. Um, yeah. You get bored of that. You make them hate each other. Mm-hmm. And then you burn them to the ground. It's like a classic like novel or something. Yeah. <laughs> it's like a Philip Roth kind of... It yeah. is like a Philip Roth yeah. novel. It's so mad. It's like this perfect American bucolic... Yeah. Suburbia and then it all just collapses in, in recrimination <laughs> and fire. Yeah. Totally. And like yeah. now that I think about it, like so many like novels now are all the literary novels are about that. Like they're about like all these great grand houses that come burning down and like Yeah. Did everyone just play the Sims a lot? <laughs> that could be it actually. Because like there's gonna be a great novel that's about building a swimming pool, taking away the ladder, <laughs> and then everyone dies. Like making people die in the Sims is the main thing in The Sims, I would say. Yeah, it's the main game. Yeah. It is the sub-game of the game. Yeah, but actually, just go back to the other thing. Like, I know a lot of people like would recreate their favorite TV characters and stuff in it or recreate like houses yeah. from sitcoms. But you could recreate like the corrections in it if you wanted to. Or like oh John- Jonathan Franzen books and stuff. You so could. We should do that. That should be a special <laughs> series. By the time this comes out in whenever, we will have made the corrections in The Sims. We'll have found yeah. it. Yeah. Oh, but yeah, Killing People. What did you do? Killing Swimming people. pool is a good one. So um, I actually started with um, uh, The Sims. I can't remember what the first upgrade was called. I think it was called like Living It Up. It was something. Living It Up. Yeah. <laughs> Which is um, was uh, the arrival of the sex bed. Was um, The heart-shaped one? The heart-shaped oh, sex yeah, bed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Where they would like snuggle and then they would just make mad... Pixelated. Pixelated combinations. Yeah. And you could also, if you were a massive pervert, you could remove the bed and watch them watch them have weird sex which is like it's so weird how like um so you yeah if you if you, you remove the bed or a shower mm-hmm. uh, during, during this cheat while they're in there you can see them naked which is a weird voyeuristic thing for a kid to do but nonetheless i did yeah. all the time that wasn't what i was aware of but yeah. no yeah oh it existed yeah. but also it's like why would the animators animate that if it's covered that's a very good point unless they like intended that for the voyeur cuz like, it is about voyeurism isn't it oh yeah um, but anyway, in answer to your question, um, my favorite way of killing them because in, this, in the uh, the Sims living it up, you mm-hmm. could get a firework set display thing, which okay. you were supposed to use in your back garden, yeah. but you could also use it inside, and then you start fires in your house. <laughs> <laughs> and then the Grim Reaper would come. Yeah. But then you could also like freeze the game, build a wall around him, and then he's like, "What? <laughs> <laughs> what are you doing?" My favorite thing that I read about it, it was someone. I think it was on Reddit. Um, so in the later Sims games you can like give people desires and adjust their personalities more yeah. when you created them so someone created this like goblin creature who loved being alone and loved art yes and, I read about this one built a basement yeah put him in there um, closed it off entirely gave him a cooker and a bed I think and a toilet yeah and he would just paint all day and then they would sell the paintings and he just got better and better at painting in his but basement but sadder and sadder yeah oh, he's happy because he was alone and painting so that was all he needed <laughs> But the family above didn't know he existed. They just knew these paintings yeah, the would appear. <laughs> and, so, and that's actually the plot of a uh, Chuck Palahniuk book as well. No way. Where, like, there's this like um, island community and it's kind of like a faded grandeur island community. Yeah. And there's this woman there and her husband dies and she suddenly 
gets the urge to paint again, which she hadn't had for years. And she becomes amazing and they lock her in a room and she dies and they sell off all her amazing paintings. And they do that every couple of generations to refresh the finances of this island. Oh my that's God. The, that's the book. I've never been compelled to read a Chuck Palahniuk story, but now I'm very, very compelled. Very good. It's diary. Yeah. That's, wow. that's the whole book. Now, is it, but, is it yeah. worth reading? I, I think so. I don't you know, care you for don't, him now, generally. You know, it's hard to recommend something you read like 10 years yeah, ago yeah, now because yeah. there will be fat jokes and yes. there'll be definitely like, maybe it's probably something about trans people you don't like. Yeah. So, but I think I remember it being good. Okay. Yeah. So that's the Chuck Palahniuk Sims connection. Weirdly, the, um, yeah. so I, uh, I'm i wearing a t-shirt today that is a Shirley Jackson, We Have Always Lived in the Castle. Yeah. Which also follows the plot of a Sims game. <laughs> I have not read this one. I've only read the lottery. Um, so, so I only ever read it. I, re- I read it for the first time two weeks ago. Okay. So I then I was in the and you gut- bought the t-shirt. I know, <laughs> I know, but it was only because I was in the gutter bookshop today yeah. and I was like signing a few copies of my book and I didn't want to like not buy anything. And I saw mm-hmm. the t-shirt and it was like a very flattering cut. So I was like, do you know what? I'll be that. <laughs> I'll be that book t-shirt person. Yeah. Um. And now and now I'm wearing it. Um. But it's um the plot of it is is that um this uh this girl and her sister. Uh, they live in this like faded old beautiful mansion and they all of their family are dead because in mysterious circumstances much like a sims game mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, then the sort of local villagers um kind of turn on them and treat them really really terribly and then their house ends up setting on fire and then they keep on living it after it sets on fire and they mm-hmm. become sort of the old witches who live on the hill but actually they're really happy and they love each other okay. and I'm only realizing like that's The Sims <laughs> <laughs> like, how many great works of literature are The Sims <laughs> all of them I think all of them The Sims contains monsters is anything where you could become like a scientist that's The Sims yeah yeah, the Sims. I think any rags to riches story basically is the Sims. Um, yeah, it's like obsessed with the idea of rags to riches. Mm. That whole game. It gives an unrealistic um, idea of what career progression is like. It totally like does. If you turn up and have four friends, yeah, you can you can run a department. I know. I remember, like when I was when I um, I think many people with the Sims, you go through um intense phases of it. Mm. Like so, you might the first time you play it, you play it really intensely for like eight hours a day, and you get yeah. like really, really into it, and then you get kind of fed up because you reach the ceiling where you kind of can't do anything else. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you kind of it's on your computer for like another two years, and then you kind of come back to it again yeah. one summer, and then you're all about it again, mm. and that happens like through various intervals throughout your life. Yeah. Um, but uh, sorry, what was the point we were trying to make? Careers. <laughs> oh yeah. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> um. Anyway, so I remember coming back to um, play it mm. after I'd gotten my first job. I was working at HMV in Cork, and uh, I was like in in college in UCC, and I was also doing four days a week in HMV, which mm. is like quite a lot to work as a college student. Yeah. And I remember feeling, as I still feel at the time, that I wasn't getting the best out of my youth <laughs> because <laughs> I was just like only ever at college or I was working in HMV. I probably bought stuff off you in that HMV. You definitely did, I'd say, yeah. yeah. I probably bought stuff off you in that game that you worked in in Cork. That's true, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Ships in the night, yeah. serendipity, sliding doors. Um, <laughs> and and I remember coming, uh, going through a summer again when I was about 19. I had, um, I had been in, I had lived out of home for most of college and then all my friends because they were all a few years older than me they all emigrated and then I was kind of forced to move back home so I was just like miserable like doing my last year in UCC Mm -hmm. still working all these days um, and like playing the sims in my parents house in the study (laughs) Um, and and I remember like getting to a certain point in the career progression of my character and it was like, if you want to go to your next stage, you have to make three friends. Yeah. Because of, because of the like hours that my my sim worked, 
she couldn't make any friends because they were all asleep when she was home. Mm-hmm. And I remember getting really upset because <laughs> it was it was such like a reflection of what my life was at the yeah. time. <laughs> Just like I was like reenacting my own like doomed social circle yeah. in this game that's supposed to be a voyeuristic and like aspirational mm-hmm. living. <laughs> Um, there's like a, a tweet and it's like oh I'm feeling like I'm about to enter a depressive episode time to download The Sims again yeah. which is <laughs> like very yeah. real yeah why do you think it? why do you think it's offers so much weird solace but also it makes you it, it doesn't help because you just like makes you even more isolated and insular like you're not your social best when you're the, playing The, the control because you have control over like a very normal person and you're like, controlling a very normal life yeah and you can just have very simple inputs to make a person happy and it's like they've gone to the toilet and had some nachos and talked about a dolphin to someone and now they're happy <laughs> and you're like okay well that's not what's happening in my life but that worked there so yeah. that's a thing to like it's like fake control I guess whereas with like other games like say like Gears of War or Call of Duty yeah that's you're like in control but of this like macho fantasy where it's just like a very domestic domestic not maybe not aspirational but like achievable thing you're like this could be me I can project myself into this and it's not like a a weird power fantasy it's like a realistic power fantasy yeah I don't know and like you know the weird thing about you know how like you would um try and make friends with people or you try and like get with Mm. them or marry them or whatever and uh you would have a selection of interactions you could have with the person. Yeah. So whether it was like insult, compliment, brag, chat yeah. or whatever. And what was weird about that is that if you complimented someone too much, mm. they just got so pissed off. <laughs> <laughs> Which is so like, it's such a nuanced ob- observation yeah. of human life, isn't it? Like if someone just keeps telling you, oh, you look great today. Like, mm. you're great today. You're, great today. you're like, what's wrong with you? Yeah. They become <laughs> that person who always compliments you. And yeah. it's too much. Yeah. <laughs> Totally. And we have like people like that on Twitter as well. Are like, okay, you can you don't have to reply to every single tweet. Completely. I, like, I appreciate the support, but it's okay. Yeah. 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 That's so true. Yeah. And it's yeah. I think similarly on Twitter or on social media, you try and gamify. Yeah. Interactions with human beings in the same way that you did on The Sims. Mm-hmm. Like. like- Five years ago, Charlie Brooker did a documentary called like the top 50 video games of all time. And number one was Twitter. Number one was Twitter. And at the time you're like, yeah, fuck off, whatever. Yeah. But now it's like, yeah, that's that's completely true. It's 100% true. It is a video game. Yeah. Yeah. Because you can see it now, like, especially you see people playing Twitter, you know, where someone will like tweet something and then someone else will quote tweet it just like, but no, though. And that has like 100,000 likes. Oh my God. Yes. It's like, how can you feel? That's so false validation you've done nothing yeah. there um so it's me, just fun little formula my, um yeah it's totally the formula mm. of like especially on the super lefty wokey twitter that you and i are part of yeah like <laughs> and it's like i i'm a part of it and yet resent it hugely because mm. it sort of like sucks out all of the nuance of a topic or a conversation and reduces it to like a snarky soundbite mm. and uh uh me and my boyfriend our WhatsApp conversations are now just called cutting through, which is um, we screen grab someone's like, you know, they they like quote tweet something with like just the phrase late stage, late stage capitalism at its finest. Yeah, yeah. And it could be anything, like any headline from the Telegraph or the Times or whatever. Mm-hmm. And it's like late stage capitalism at its finest. And like, and we're like, mm, they're really cutting through, aren't they? <laughs> <laughs> so we just call anytime somebody says something incredibly obvious and not very smart about like and get like 50,000 retweets. Yeah. It's like, oh, they're cutting through. <laughs> Um, we've we uh we I've got a, a cutting through thing that I want to do, 
at some point. I think you could quote retweet anything from a right wing um, paper mm-hmm. with just the quote, get rich or try sharing. <laughs> and I think I think it would do well. I think it would cut through. <laughs> you, you know what works on like, um, not like Irish woke Twitter, but like the American lefty bro irony Twitter. Yeah. Is quote tweet any right wing person with your brain is broken. And that's like yeah. 5,000 retweets. That's really? Just, oh, yeah, that's how it works. That's even less good. Yeah. That's way less good than get rich or try sharing. You just insult their, the shape of their, their brain. <laughs> it's very easy. But it's like, yeah, like the, conver- the conversation options, the conversation options that you had on The Sims, mm. which were, I think, chat, compliment, flirt, insult, brag, yeah. are all of the interaction options for on Twitter. Yeah. <laughs> There's brag. humble brag now as well. Is there an on Oh no, not, Sims? not the same. So there, there, should, there be. should be. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's where you just move over to like a picture view with a celebrity on a mantelpiece. <laughs> you know, oh, this. Yeah. Oh, so um, at what point? Because maybe you can do that on new Sims. At what point That's did true. you lose touch with the franchise? Like when? When did you like drop off with the Sims? Um, so I bought Sims Street like the week it came out because I was living in Cork on my own because Carl was working in Waterford and I was working in Cork. Hmm. So I it's almost Sim. like people who are incredibly lonely and isolated yeah. by The Sims. Yeah, so I bought Sims 3 and played it without cheats. I was like, I'm going to be an adult because I'm, I'm an adult now. Because <laughs> the first one I bought is an adult, actually. So I was like, I'm going to be an adult and play this game properly. Yeah. And I got like 16 hours into it and was like up near the top of career level and then it crashed without saving. I was like, fuck this game. You crashed without saving? Oh my God. Yeah, so I haven't played it since, I think. Was that on PlayStation or on PC? PC. PC. Normal Mac, yeah. Okay. Yeah. But Carlan still plays it. She plays the mobile version. What's that like? It's slightly more gamified. It's more goal-based and task-based yeah. than a full thing. But you're still building the house and all that yeah. kind of stuff. Whereas I think she had Sims 4 as well, but I haven't played it. So do you still play it? Um, I have played it. I had a I bought a 3DS a few years ago, okay. mostly for playing Pokemon on. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, then I got Sims pets for that. Yeah, and you're right. It is very goal orientated, and also the world is much bigger. Like you can go to like shopping centers mm-hmm. and like holiday destinations and stuff, and take your dog with you, and um, you kind of get to these places, and you're like, they'll yeah, they'll give you like three goals, and mm-hmm. one of your goals will be like talk to someone new, try on two things, and it yeah. just it felt like, even though the world got more open in it, it felt more intimidating or something. Yeah. Because often you'd be playing Sims because you found the world a bit too much and then suddenly yeah, yeah. the world of Sims got too much. Because <laughs> <laughs> yeah, before like in like Sims 2 with the expansion packs, if you went to like a mall or somewhere or like a restaurant, yeah, you would just go, I am I talk to that person? I can sit down and then I'll go back. Whereas this is like, this is reminding you of the things you're not doing that you could be doing. Yeah. And you're like, you feel like you're missing, you're getting FOMO for everything else in the game now yeah Where before it was just you just pushing a doll around which is much more fun it's more relaxing I think as well yeah it's more it's a slower game I guess did you ever play as the um, uh, stock characters that the sims would already have for you never what ever ever yeah we'd always create them I, I would create them like uh, it's weird that we were talking with um, Fanula about um, the star dolls star dolls yeah because uh, that like we used to make your own sim you would do the same I definitely I would make me anyway yeah but like not a much better version of me there wasn't particularly yeah. <laughs> it was like try to keep it realistic like push the weight slider up a little bit <laughs> have like like the the second coolest item of clothing you're not, you're not going to be like the, the tux guy yeah yeah Um. sorry I had a point that I wanted to get at 
No, I forgot that. I Caroline had Sims 2 when she made Austin because we were like 19, 20 in college. Yeah. But she called them like Lorton and Fijovia, which became her nicknames for each other for a while. They were Lorton like, and Fijovia! They were like Celtic Tiger nicknames, yeah. This is like so P. Celtic Tiger, yeah. <laughs> You're yeah. gassed, do you? <laughs> nah, we, we have fun. <laughs> <laughs> we have fun. We're not a real couple. We're a cool couple. Um, no, but I wanted to say about the stock characters that you could play in The Sims yeah. um, was that there was this family and they were called Bella and Mortimer Goth. Yes. And they had a gothic mansion that was mm-hmm. on a graveyard. And um, Bella was like a research scientist who wore a negligee every day. <laughs> and she was like very racially ambiguous, beautiful woman. Mm. And then her husband l- was Mortimer and he wore a tux every day. And yeah. he looked like kind of like a silent film star. Like, you know. He did a bit, yeah. Like a Barrymore or something. Yeah, like not quite Adam's family yeah something slightly they were kind of like a yuppie version of the Adam's family is what yeah, they were like John Cleese in the Adam's family yeah yeah so good Alan thank you <laughs> good observation <laughs> and then they had like a really gross looking kid <laughs> with like glasses and pigtails and like oh yeah the, the, yeah. the Sims did, wasn't very good at that point at like things like glasses and they just like big circles on the face yeah yeah, yeah. Um, which I think is maybe why I'm still in so insecure about wearing glasses. Like I wear contacts at every uh, oh, really? opportunity, maybe because yeah. I just think I'm <laughs> the the goth crap kid. <laughs> but yeah, they'd have, they'd have um a tomb, they'd have tombstones outside, and the ghosts would come walking through the house. Yeah, they used, it was class. I used to like when they used to come visit, but I never yeah. played as them. Here's oh, something I, I didn't realize. Um, the Sims games are like. Like genuine like story sequels to each other as well. Genuinely, I was just reading up on it just before this. Oh yeah, The Sims Two was set twenty five years after the first one. What? Yeah. <laughs> Fuck off. <laughs> yeah, and Bella got um like has mysteriously disappeared. She's like a. It's a mystery. Yeah, because it's just Mortimer and the daughter in Sims Two. Oh no! <laughs> and it's set twenty five years. It's like what happened to her? Canonically set twenty five years later. I do not know. And Sims Three is set twenty five years before the first one. So there's like a whole Sims continuity. I did not know that I don't think storylines existed that. with it. Yeah. No. That's weird, right? But having said that, it did really feel like... Because I think, I think there were more families on the neighborhood thing, but they're mm. the only ones I remember were the goths. So it did feel yeah. like it was like somebody's idea for a novel. <laughs> 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 yeah. That just got like, okay, well, I guess that's never going to happen. I just... <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I kind of like... I just remember thinking that they were... I think I was about 11 when I played The Sims mm. first and I remember thinking they were just so sexy as a couple and I just Oh yeah that was I, the same way that like um, Mortish Adams and Gomez yeah. Adams are it's that goth like suave goth is like a, a really sexy aesthetic It really is It's like that uh, what's that tweet a picture of Maz Mickelson and Tilda Swinton yeah. It's uh, a Daniel Kibblesmith tweet and he's like it's just pictured me it's like they look like that European couple you meet on holiday who want to swing you're like well shit maybe <laughs> and that's kind of the goth family That's so it Yeah Like um, I think about this kind of stuff a lot because I don't know what the term is but I'm sure there's a Freudian term for it of like when you're too young to be into like sex in a real way mm. but you things kind of like turn you on in a weird child way Yeah like you're kind of like weirdly like attracted to it in a way that you can't describe you're like I feel like I really like this character but I don't in a, in a mm. different way to how I like you know yeah. Aladdin or whatever yeah. <laughs> Freud there's like a, a thing called a latency period yes Freud. that's what it's called I know that, I think this is like something from a Woody Allen film I don't know if that, like, what that actually <laughs> is I just know there's a thing called a latency period in Freud yeah and that could be what that is but I always I thought know. like because um, I remember 
I was really obsessed with like yeah Morticia and Gomez mm. being like this like incredibly sexual couple because they were so sexual yeah. the whole like Caramia and stuff yeah and then like um did you ever read like Flowers in the Attic I haven't I've heard it's fucked up though it's very fucked up yeah. so I read that when I was like 12 okay and it was like yeah it's like a very gothic novel about like this big haunted house and these kids get locked in the attic and they end up like falling for each other yeah and like it's I remember all that kind of gothic stuff I just found it like incredibly like sexy mm. is that weird <laughs> un- un- unpack that for me <laughs> I don't know you, did you have a goth phase yourself no not really you... but only because it was expensive yeah because <laughs> <laughs> I remember in Cork there was one goth shop which was moonshine yeah. in Paul Street in Paul Street yeah, yeah. yeah that's where the emos used to hang out as yeah, well yeah I, I did hang around Paul Street like Paul Street um, is the was the traditional goth center yeah. of Cork and because it would be around the corner from the opera house mm-hmm. which was re- I was like this is so Cork it's no because I can visualize all of it because I used yeah. to shop in Paul Street yeah. so, and then the opera house um, it, it was brilliant for skating so all the mm-hmm. skaters hung out there because the terrain was just really good for it yeah. and so there was kind of like a meshing of counterculture at that mm-hmm. part of the city um, and yeah and like, but all the goth stuff like um, all the makeup that you'd buy and like all the Emily the Strange t-shirts and yeah, all yeah. the like weird tutus that you'd put over stripy tights with Doc mm-hmm. Martens. I remember thinking like going in there and looking at all this stuff and wanting it so badly but being like, who can afford this? <laughs> yeah, that's, uh, I guess you don't, you also with some things like that, you don't know where to start. Like, yeah. I, I can't just start with a tutu. Right, over, you can't, like, no, you can't. Over my Dunn's jeans, you know? No. So what do you do? It's the same, um, actually in Viv Albertine, uh, Viv Albertine's um, book, uh, it's called Music, 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 Girls, Girls, Girls. No, Boys, 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 Clothes, 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 I think. Yeah, I've never read her work, but I would really it's like to. It's great, but she's talking about um, Vivian Westwood's shop in, in yeah. uh, like in 1977. And she said, the way you know a real punk is that they would have one thing from that shop because it was so expensive. Anybody oh. who had the full Vivian Westwood clothing was obviously a tourist, a rich tourist because real punks oh, didn't have so money. Oh, funny. So having just the one thing could have been like a yeah. proper status symbol. Well, probably because Moonshine was like cheap nylon stuff from China pretty much yeah it? it really so, was yeah, but yeah. it was like massively marked up yeah, so yeah. very juiced to them for pulling it off oh yeah yeah but then like you know but then you'd meet the real goth girls and mm. they were more often than not like art students or whatever and they kind of yeah. made their own stuff and they were wearing things that nobody else had and well mm. I think what I wanted was to buy into like the into big goth <laughs> <laughs> The goth industry. The, but yeah. yeah. But like, I, I don't know. I never really had the confidence to have like an aesthetic. Did mm. you as a teenager? I never did. Um, not really. I remember when I got cool, like well, I obviously had friends who became like part of like a group with like boys and girls to transition year. Yeah. And they were all dressing slightly better than me already. Yeah. And one of their sisters worked in Hobo. Do you remember Hobo? No. What is that? So Hobo was a clothing brand in like turn of the century like the turn probably, of the century that's so weird that's like <laughs> so 20 weird. years ago uh, the bill of puck <laughs> <laughs> the fin de cicle. Um <laughs> but they were clothing man but they got big enough to open their own shops and they had one in Waterford uh, mm. so it was like super baggy pants uh, yeah. t-shirts with like a Japanese logo on them that kind of stuff and like cool dresses like they had like but my friend's sister worked there so they basically brought me in there one day and went dress Alan really so they get me cool pants cool shirt and then you, cool. but then that was like a starter outfit you know Aww. so then I, could, then I could go in there confidently and go I want this and this now these as well. are things I like yeah. so it was like queer eye for you really it was a little bit yeah yeah, yeah. did you learn to do a French tuck not I have you said that theory that Tan France actually invented the French tuck and that's did why he? it's called the French tuck because it's French Fran- Tan oh, France oh fuck because people are googling not and from go, France at all people are googling and going there's no such thing as a French tuck until like this season of queer eye 
Holy crap. Yeah. I tried it. It's very difficult to maintain. The French you, talk. Yeah, you, you, yeah. especially if you have any kind of a belly. Mm. You kind of feel the need to keep talking and then you need to over talk. And then it's like a I, cape. I, don't, I feel like I don't fully understand what it, you just took in the front of your shirt. But just not the, the back front. Of it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I've tried it. Mm. But it, I, I feel like I'm doing something wrong. Yeah. Because <laughs> there's a billowing thing that happens. That is yeah, not exactly. Good. I was doing it and Karen was like directing it as <laughs> I was doing it. It's like, okay, no, that's it. No, so that looks good. And I was like, it doesn't feel good because you feel loose at the back in your pants and then yeah. like the tuck at the front and it's, and you're like, it doesn't feel good. Anywhere you move, it's going to be weird. I tried a half tuck, a half tuck as well because I saw David Beckham oh, do it. Oh, yeah, no, the half tuck is very good looking. Yeah. yeah, I like it a lot. I, I can't, like, I work in an insurance company. I can't walk in with like a French no, tuck into the insurance company. That's the thing now. Yeah. And that's the other thing about like choosing to have an aesthetic is that you need to have the confidence to just walk into a room wearing this yeah. thing and not be like, like, for example, like, you know, if you go in like wearing a hat and you're like touching the hat the whole time, being yeah, like, yeah. I'm very wearing a hat today. That is the phrase. <laughs> that's how I wear a hat. It's like, I am wearing a hat. <laughs> <laughs> this is me um, this is hat Alan <laughs> honest God we were out in college one night um, and this girl was wearing a hat and she made me and my two roommates try on the hats and the two lads were like models in the hat Yeah. and she took a picture of each of us and I was like Alan hat, hat man <laughs> hat man man, man in the hat <laughs> man who wears a hat <laughs> but like the prequel to hat man before you got comfortable with it <laughs> like the early Just days of hat abandoned man. sketches for hat man <laughs> <laughs> so no hats don't work with me I know, yeah. but like back to like, yeah, like like. Do you have an aesthetic? No, never. I never yeah. have, and I'd like to, but I think it's too late now. You can't develop an aesthetic in your late twenties. No, I think you, your options are when you go to college. Yeah. Start then, which mm. I didn't. I still was just wearing baggy pants and like, yeah. uh, like baseball tops from Topshop. That was my first year look. Yeah, yeah. Which is good. It's fine. Actually, looking back now, I'm like, oh, you Very dress, you're grand. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Yeah, and then maybe when you start a job, but not really. Depends on bit. the job. Like if you start like a media job, you can go in. Yeah. But you, you don't want to be like Nathan Barley either. No. Yeah, I, I definitely feel like my entire sense of style is looking at things and being like, this is gas. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Like I bought, a, I bought a handbag made out of tiles there the other day. And what kind of tiles? As in like um like Spanish wall tiles kind of thing. Okay. Yeah, and so there was like this vintage sort of box handbag that was really mm. heavy and just like covered in all these coloured tiles. Yeah. And I was like, this is gas. And uh, bought it. And then I went to my friend's house and I was carrying it. And they were like, oh, that's so you. And I was like, oh, wow, I finally worked my entire <laughs> life to have something be so me. Unreal. Hmm. But I think in terms of like finding, to go back to the Mortimer and Bella Goth. Yeah. <laughs> like finding gothic stuff sort of sexy mm. is that thing of like um, anything that's on the fringe everything that's yeah. like outside the norm because you feel so outside the norm in yourself mm. that you're like oh we share a we share like a, a thing uh, an interest even though it doesn't seem like we do yeah you know it's also quite a put together look you can't like be a sloppy goth you can't be a sloppy I mean there are lots of sloppy goths but yeah but like a proper like yeah where everything's like in, a goth with everything in place is like this super organized look yeah where like like your like your pale face has to be perfect and like the lips have to be super intense against your face yeah and it's yeah just, yeah you're grabbing the eye with every bit of your body but with black as well so you're like totally trying even far, harder to look in it's like a really kind of a look that sucks you in properly i think totally yeah and it's very hard to get out of as well yeah <laughs> you can't just leave it behind that's true actually yeah. yeah yeah um so i i had quite a few of the sims expansion packs oh did you yeah okay um, we so me and my best friend we sort of had a thing of like 
oh, you buy these two and I'll buy these two because they yeah. were so expensive. So I had Sims first dates, mm-hmm. um, Sims vacation. And then there was like one Sims on the town or something. There were so oh, many of them yeah, I couldn't yeah. keep up. And I remember even feeling in my mid-teens, I'd be like, oh, this is the con. <laughs> yeah. Oh, totally. I'm being played. <laughs> wasn't there like a, there was a H&M one as well for the Sims 2, wasn't there? What? Yeah, there was H&M. an official H&M one. Because I worked in, uh, as you said, I worked in game. Yeah. In 2007. Mm-hmm. And Sims, we sold so much Sims. That was the main PC game we sold was yeah. like Sims expansion packs. And it was like, a, like there was like two wall sections of PC games. Mm-hmm. And like half of one was just Sims and expansion packs. It was just wow. this all-encompassing. I remember that PC era, thing. yeah. Like we saw, and especially it was. Um, it was pre, like, remember? I remember there being like a time when like Wii games took over everything. Yeah, it was around then. It was Wii and uh, the the um, DS, DS Lite was around then. Mm. So I worked there for like four months, and we sold a lo- we had a lot of women customers, which I found yeah. I was surprised about for a game shop, it was because we weren't the intimidating game shop in town. We were one further out. Yeah. So people felt a bit more comfortable coming in. And we've had lots of little girls come in who just made a communion to buy a DS oh, and Nintendo Dogs. Nintendo Dogs. Like, and a pink DS and Nintendo Dogs. We used to sell just like loads of them. Yeah. And Sims. They would come in with their like one euro coins and buy a Sims expansion pack. Mm. So we like eight euro by then. It's so, so you could, funny. So you could that, save up for it. That whole era, it felt like there was a real gender breakthrough with video games, wasn't there? There totally was. Yeah. Like, yeah, because there was all the pet games mm-hmm. and all the kind of like makeover type paper doll style games. Yeah. Um, the Sims, which is like so domestic and it rewarded understanding social nuances mm-hmm. and things. And it rewarded having an aesthetic eye. And it basically rewarded all these things that like were never paid attention to in gaming before, it felt yeah. like. Oh, totally. Because like the Wii was then as well. And that yeah. was like all these games that are about just like being with your friends and having fun in a group and yeah. like you don't need like super realistic blood to make people buy a game yeah and they kind of realized that and like there was like cooking mama and like harvest moon cooking mama yeah you know all that it was they were all huge and it was just people and like that's when candy crush and those guys well candy crush was a bit of beta, but like farmville and stuff mm-hmm. was then as well and yeah the company just kind of realized people there's a whole market of people yeah. who don't like violence but want to play games it's funny isn't and, it yeah that took so long for them to realize that. They yeah. Spent, they went down, I think it was, I think like around the time of Nintendo, they basically the whole industry decided games are for boys now. And it took it's them funny, like 25 years to snap out of it from there. It's so interesting. With I think with anything tech related at all, mm. there always comes this thing where like, I mean, everyone probably knows this already, but all of the early coders were female. Yeah. Um, because for the simple fact that like it was boring work, like it was, mm. um, it was very admin based. It was very numerical and like no man really wanted to do it. Yeah. And so lots of the early coders were women. And then kind of in the seventies when personal computing started going on the rise and in the eighties and stuff, like um, they started equating technology and coding with like chess and like I made like the masculine mm. battle of the mind kind of thing. Yeah. And then it was kind of taken away from women then. Mm. And which is so funny because um I've worked in like digital my like for for years and I remember when I first I, I my when I first like like grown up jobs was in social media marketing and it was like very much like writing tweets for like crisps and like for for like Dettol and like Lemsip and stuff yeah and uh and also like responding to customer complaints mm. 
and um and I remember working in this agency and all the men in the agency all uh, kind of almost referred because like to the social media as like almost like a maternity ward or something like because yeah. it was all women working there and it was so, you know such a female thing mm-hmm. and then suddenly all these advertising agencies only want social media because it's like oh this is where all advertising is going yeah. no one cares about magazines anymore it's all about putting sponsored ads on Twitter and Facebook mm. and then suddenly it felt like overnight there was all these men who were calling themselves content rock stars and whatever. And it was like, <laughs> yeah. oh, it's happening all over again. Like, mm-hmm. like women come early to like a little section of technology and then they're booted off. Yeah. And it, yeah. And it makes me think what were like the early arcades like? Because they're seen yeah. as such male spaces. But I don't know. I wonder. Yeah. It's before my time. Yeah. <laughs> Same. I've, uh, I've started watching a lot of those documentaries on Netflix about like a King of Kong and like oh, yeah, yeah. Man vs. Snake which is like 35 year old men like yeah, those competitively are super trying male spaces yeah. yeah yeah and there's like it's so funny because there's no like space for women in those at all even no. though they're very like those 80s arcade games they're so they're not masculine they're just like oh like mm. a, a snake going around a thing like yeah. or like Donkey Kong or whatever I'm ready to make my credits count. I'm ready to take classes from a university that will help me build on my experience to prepare me for the future. A university that will make me feel supported, encouraged, and connected. Click this ad or go to online.odu.edu today. Did you ever play SimCity? Very briefly, I think. I might have had a demo of it. Again, I'm very bad at those like multitasking games. Mm, those planning yeah. a city type games. Yeah, like Civilization 2 I loved, which yeah. was like building an empire. Or like a, a Roman lot, Empire. Yeah, it's a lot less micromanagement oh, class, than yeah. SimCity. Um, yeah, I just couldn't get a grasp of it. I think the learning curve of it was quite difficult for yeah. an impatient 12-year-old. So I really? just didn't. Yeah, I think I was more action-y then. I, I, I played it. Um, I think we had like a, maybe a demo or something yeah, yeah. on our PC and I played it before I played The Sims. Mm. It, it left a really big impression because you would like make a neighborhood better by putting parks Mm. And like memorials and like nice flowers and stuff in it. Yeah. And then you would watch the property prices go up and mm-hmm. the area would get better and stuff. And like now when I'm walking around London and I see like parks and stuff, I'm like, ah, oh, yes. Yeah. <laughs> SimCity, <laughs> SimCity has done the work here. Like, yeah. Um, I think what the creator will, whatever. Uh, I can't remember his name. <laughs> will Wright. Will Wright. He definitely like had a very canny observation of the human experience whether it was yeah. the city or the sims or whatever he actually uh he like did like like um academic research into or like he, he took academic research to design the games mm-hmm. he used like maslow's hierarchy of needs and like a 70s architecture journal really? and then another thing called uh, maps of the mind to like develop the ai for it so it wasn't just like some designers sitting around talking he actually went out and looked at how people interact and how that's so Houses interesting. are built and what people actually like need and stuff. Yeah. So that, I guess that's why it feels because it feels realistic. like suburbia. It doesn't feel like yes. these houses are just drifting in space. Mm. It feels like they're part of this suburban landscape where people like pop over, and if you're not there, they get pissed off, and they leave food yeah. outside for you. They leave like gifts outside for you yeah, yeah. that rot. Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> so that's like it really. It felt like the suburban kind of every place. Do you yeah. know what I mean? It didn't have to be any country, just like... Oh, yeah, totally, because it has that made-up language as well. Yeah, Simlish. Simlish. Simlish? Simlish. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, sometimes I, I talk in that sometimes, just to annoy... Or just to make Caroline laugh. <laughs> so she'll say something, and I'll just go, oh, burr, <laughs> Yeah. 
it's it's in, it, it gets in your head. Well, Simlish. That, the Simlish, yeah. Yeah. That it's kind of, they roll every every consonant rolls in it. Yeah, it must be like a combination yeah. of like because it does sound like a language, doesn't it? Oh, it totally does. It doesn't yeah. sound like nonsense because there's like repeating kind of sounds that come again and again that you get yeah. in languages that you don't know but you mm. can hear. You know, it's, it's like not Esperanto, but it's kind of Esperanto. Really? Yeah. Wow. Like not not officially, but like it's Esperanto has a that bit of everything ish. For yeah. Sims 2, then like Katy Perry re-records some of her songs in Simlish. Yes. So How there obviously weird is must that? be. Katy Perry some... loves jumping on things like. Yeah, she does. <laughs> she like she's some chancer. <laughs> yeah. She kind of just jumps at everything though, so it's kind she of. She really does. It's not like nothing's like a particularly Katy Perry thing to do. It's just like oh, oh Katy Perry's here. Okay. As far as pop stars go. Like the smell of want off Katy Perry is so high. Like, yeah. I find her so needy. As a millionaire I've never met, I find her very needy. Yes. That gif of her, like, trying to dance cool with Migos. Right. Makes me, me implode, I think. <laughs> it it hurts. My whole, my shoulders start, like, clenching and stuff when it's, I see it. It's really hard to watch a, like, a pop star particularly who wants it too badly. Yeah. Because we're supposed to want them, right? And yes. Like, and they like they really want the cultural cachet of being yeah. near Migos. And it's like, <laughs> all right, you can't really do that. Yeah. It doesn't really work. I think in particular she's got that face where her eyes are always like a little bit bulgy. Yeah. And like she's got a got a that sort of Anne Hathaway thing of like, Do you like me yet? Yeah. I love Anne Hathaway. I find I, I love her now, yeah, yeah. But I think I definitely fell into the under the spell of hating Anne Hathaway for a while. Mm. Yeah, I think I that's one I kinda of resisted. I I I'm very easy to sway. Yeah. But I just I thought she was so good in Les Mis and Rachel got married. I was like, but she's like, she has the she has the talent. She has the range, darling. Yeah, you know the range, darling. Yeah. So I never really got the Anne Hathaway hate. It's so funny because I guess I like triers. You yeah. know, that's the kind of person I kind of like. So I don't totally, know. yeah. And I think in 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 general, like everything is so grim at the moment like that yeah. people are really falling back in love with Anne Hathaway because she is really sincere and she does try really hard and yeah. You know, it's lovely. <laughs> and she's, I think people are like, oh, Rihanna likes her? Okay, I guess yeah. we don't want to piss off Rihanna by saying we don't like Anne Hathaway. So here's the thing so. now, it, I, this is going to be terrible and Ellen Tannum is going to boot me up the hole, <laughs> but I don't care for Rihanna at all now. Really? She just seems very mean, you know? Hmm. I feel like she'd be very mean to you. I don't really feel like I like know Rihanna very well. She'd say something really nice to you and be like, oh, do you want to come to our thing? And like, mm. this is all class. And then... She, you'd be like, oh, Rihanna likes me, and then she would like put the expectation of of you being treated well with you by you, like really high, and you'd be like, oh, I'm Rihanna's new favorite, mm. and her other friends would be like, you just you wait now, and then she starts treating you like shit, and then you'd be yeah. stuck in the warp of Rihanna. <laughs> yeah, that's how I feel about that. <laughs> I worry that by the time this comes out, Rihanna will have done something incredibly sound and had a new album and stuff. Oh, I know, yeah, but don't Sorry. I feel like we've like I feel like we've lost Rihanna inside the like the shell of. Rihanna, goddess. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Which ha- it happens to, it's not like something that just happens to her. It happened to Beyonce. Happens to every, it happens to Beyonce a bit. It happens mm-hmm. to like, you sent to movie stars a lot, like, till they have to start getting approachable again. Yeah. You know, like, it's like maybe like Tom Hanks would have been like that. And Tom Hanks is your dad who dances in the kitchen, you know? Yeah. That's yeah. Tom Hanks' thing now. But like, Tom Cruise, I guess, has that a bit. It's just because he has to hide, I think, the real Tom Cruise. The real Tom Cruise is fucking weird. Yeah. Yeah. It's funny. It's always funny when, like, um, somebody in the pop landscape goes from, like, you know, minor royalty to icon. Yeah. And then you kind of lose them forever, in a way. Yeah. It's like, you know, there's, there's actually, a, like, a, 
a super appropriate real world example, which is like Meghan Markle was in Dublin for us like last month. And the oh, last yeah. time she was here, she was here as a, like as a princess or a duchess, whatever. Yeah. And last time she was here, she was in like a drinks promotion in Dicey's. Oh my and tweeting God. About it. And it's like, we remember you from then, you know? That's you, so that's funny. Not, that wasn't always you. That's class though. Yeah. It's, it's generally like the most literal example of that happening ever. Yeah. Like she's being of literal royalty. Mm. She's like, playing the Sims game of her life. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like she's yeah. reached peak Sim success. Mm-hmm. Or even if you look at like, say, Janelle Monae, who was like in Oscar winning films and yeah. putting out these fucking amazing audio visual albums that tell you everything about sexuality oh, totally. in the world. And <laughs> I saw her in like the Savoy. You did in not? Cork. Yeah, on her first album. Wow. And I was like, That's three mad. people back from her. And it was just me and like a load of lesbians, pretty much. Yeah. But yeah, because she was really like a jobbing pop star in the, in the full essential. She was of the like an indie pop star. Time. Yeah. She was like a. The, the person that like guitar people were like oh but and also Janelle Monet I love Janelle Monet yeah as well um Sia was one of those people for a long time yeah she had such a long career mm. and um I actually I worked with somebody who dated her oh yeah and but he was like super like shitty about it <laughs> <laughs> so like we were we worked on like some marketing campaign together and mm. it was kind of he was like leading it and it was like not going very well and the same and he was like it was like one of those days in advertising where like you're getting emails to the client and everyone hates you like and it's really grim mm. and like the same day like the Grammy nominations came out and she got like eight nominations Yeah, and we're like uh, we see your ex-girlfriend's got some uh, eight Grammy nominations there mm. and uh, what are you doing <laughs> <laughs> but he would like always try and take her down by like telling us like what she liked in bed and stuff and we were like oh. shut up like yeah. don't be like we still prefer Sia to you like <laughs> shut up <laughs> <laughs> It, it's yeah, it's extra weird when like you were like in college with someone who's like famous now. Yeah. There was someone I wasn't in college with her directly but like my roommate was so I was like out with her a couple of times but she went on to like be in love hate and stuff. Oh and, wow. Like, it's so weird. You're That's like oh mad. I was like in a, I was like in Reardon's with her and yeah she was obviously like you could tell she was like yeah, that's the weird thing. You can tell they're going to be more famous than everybody else. Do you think when they, so? When they have this like this weird energy, or like, you know how like famous people are more attractive. Yes, they are. Even yeah. it, like they don't even you might see them on television, but you see them in real life. You're like, oh, they're like, there's like this better. They have the something. thing. Yeah, and it's probably could be just skincare and <laughs> you know a stylist, but you're like, oh, that person's like more attractive than other people. Yeah, They'll I have experience because you. I mean. I'm not very good at celebrity spotting, but yeah. when you work in Central London, like you see a few of them around the place. Yeah. And um, I saw me and my friend were walking down the street. Uh, Alex, actually, from Dumb Women, mm. um, my other podcast, my other podcast, <laughs> like this is my podcast, whatever, Caroline. Um, and uh, we walked down the street just having a chat on our lunch break. And then we saw Nicholas Holt coming oh, down yeah. the street. Yeah. Um, from about a boy and then later skins and he's not even that famous anymore like really mm. like who gives a shit about what he's doing to be honest yeah but like we just stopped when we saw him and as he passed us and it was just like having a direct moonbeam like travel past yeah. you I was like breathless it was like he was like luminous it's like there's more they're like more solid than regular people yeah it's so weird and even like cut from a diamond yeah when I worked in um uh, a big tech company in Cork Jesus. Um, the like the whole board of directors like the CEO and stuff came over once uh, so we're all like these millionaires and they all just look more real like, there's yeah. just something about money that like 
what is that? Fills out your edges or something. I don't know what it is. Or like turns but this up is to, so the it Sims. It like turns up the contrast on your yes! your body or something. It's so weird. Yeah. Because if you like in your brain, you're like they're just like us. They, but your eyes and like stuff are going. This is yeah. a different person to you. There's something higher about them, yeah. and you, even if it's horribly morally wrong for them to to treat people as better than you like that for just mm-hmm. like no real reason, it's still they still look realer than you do and all your friends and it's so weird. Yeah. And I don't know how we've gotten from that to The Sims. <laughs> no, but, but that is The Sims sort of thing yeah. because like the dream of The Sims is that more money will fill out your edges. Yeah, you know? that's true, yeah. Because like you, in order to ascend to your next level of whatever, you need to get like however many charisma points mm. and then you have to buy like a mirror to talk to and yeah. then like you have to improve your logic points by playing chess by yourself mm. and like you just have to buy more stuff to increase your skill set so you're like personhood becomes more fulfilled. Yeah. Like you become more and more of a person as the game goes on. The stuff makes you happier as well. The better yeah. stuff. Which I guess is is capitalism. Yeah. Cut, cutting through. Yeah. You know? You're cutting through. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. God, so much in The Sims. It's, it's, it's life, you know. It, tis life. Tis it's all, life. It's life in a box. Um, People have made the comparison to um shows like Terrace House, if you know that show at all. No. It's that one. It is a... Uh, I think it's a Japanese TV show where it's mm. just like essentially like the real world MTV's the real world where it was like lots okay, of yeah. youngsters just living in a house together yeah. enjoying whatever city they're in but like there's there's seemingly no producer's hand at all it's just like people like opening a salad and eating it kind of thing mm. and like I think a lot of the early Kardashians people really enjoyed that level of them just coming in and out of their house and yeah. doing stuff Big Brother like the first couple of seasons of Big Brother as well where they were yeah. allowed to bring books in still so if you watch like the live feed on E4 where they have like 24 hour live feed yeah it'd they'd be nasty just be, Nick just reading the book just be reading the book and then a plane whenever they said anything interesting a fake plane sound would come in cause they, so they could save it for the show that night so you would never oh, is that what that was about yeah I never understood if that if they were like swearing or talking about a brand or something libelous yeah yeah and I think often if something interesting was happening they would yeah cut the sound but yeah, the fake plane sound was just. But it's, it's so funny though, because like I find like increasingly, and you get that for like reality shows. Um, I always bring up Drag Race because it's the only reality show I watch a lot. Mm. But it's like you get the fans of the show being like, "Oh, we can see the producers' hand. We hate watching the producers control the show. We just yeah. want to see these people enjoy their art and their craft mm-hmm. and like in each other." And I think less and less people people want to watch The Sims more than they realize. They want to yeah. watch people going about their business and not like necessarily doing a weird producer handed. Like, oh, have an argument about this, why don't you? You know? Well, that's why I like season 10 of Drag Race so much more than season 9. Because there was so much more workroom stuff. Yeah. Of just them hanging out and interacting. Completely. And that's what I like. I The reality shows I watch are ones that are about, like, people with a specific talent. Yeah. So, like, Drag Race or Project Runway. I'm, or I'm the exact same, yeah. I'm not particularly interested in Kardashians, Kardashians or Love Island no, or anything like that. I, no, I don't really judge it, but I don't. No, I'm just, it's I, just not I, for me. I need, like, a nice creative goal in there somewhere that yeah, I like, so root for, you know? Like, these people with a similar talent set and they're like talking and you hear a bit, bit about their world and like what it's like to be them and to be a creative person I think yeah. that's really interesting and season 9 wasn't so much so stuff where they just let people go and see yeah. what happens rather than like the guess the Vixen was kind of the producer in season 10 of Drag Race she was she, she would just do it anyway but um, but yeah that kind of Sims aspect of it where you're just kind of watching people do what they would normally be doing if there wasn't a camera there yeah is nice. And and, it, and, it, and I think most producers don't have faith in their own contestants in that way. Mm, or the, the audience. Same, in the, or in the audience. In the mm. same way with Sims, you just like, uh, 
you know, put a fire in there <laughs> just to see what <laughs> yeah. happened. Yeah. Like, I remember, like, one of the best parts of that last season of Drag Race for me was, like, there's a point where Aquaria, um, they're rehearsing for the final music video challenge. Mm. And um, she's doing her, like, uh, choreography with Todrick Call. And then she sits down and she starts crying. Yeah. And Todrick is like, you okay? <laughs> and she's like, she's like, not making a big thing of it. She's like, 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 yeah, I just, you know, this is really cool and I can't believe we're here and I'm just so glad that it, I'm here. <laughs> like, yeah. And it was just very pure, like from what was otherwise seen as a very haughty person. Yeah, that's you it. You know? Um, yeah, I loved Aquaria. I know, I was Aquaria, like from, from when I realised Ms. Cracker wasn't going to win. <laughs> yeah, I, the first couple of weeks where there was all that tension um, and it's because Ms. Cracker was better on the runway in, in episode one so yeah. I kind of picked her. Yeah. And then that tent, they, they obviously they said they decided just to not follow that themselves. They went, we're not going to let them make a story out of this. Yeah. So they stopped. Which was very cool. And then like four weeks in, you're like, oh, Aquarius had like fucking amazing looks every week. Yeah. She's not have, not, she's done nothing wrong yet. And then she didn't do anything wrong. Yeah. She just, it was like with Bob or Bianca where you're just like, oh, that's the winner from like. Yeah. Pretty much immediately you knew who it was going to be. You really did. We're so far off The Sims now. We're so off. We should probably wrap, we should it wrap it up. We should yeah. wrap it up. Um, that was our little weird special episode about <laughs> The Sims. Anyway, that's our episode about The Sims. I I loved it. Thank you so much for sticking around. And yeah, it's been great. Hope I'm gonna you enjoy a bag it. of minstrels now. Yeah. Lovely. Bye, everybody. Oh, I have a book. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. Let's talk. Let's mention your book. Ah, yeah. No, so um, my first novel is out at the moment. It's called Promising Young Women. Uh, my name is Karen O'Donoghue. You can go buy it. It's about actually a lot of the stuff that we talked about, which is um, it actually is yeah. the world of work and advertising. It's about sort of like gothic romance and things going terribly wrong. And uh, it's a very yellow cover. So mm-hmm. if you're in, it's the se- color of the season. People are loving yellow this year. Uh, so it'll go with all your clothes. And uh, I would love it if you buy it. And I'm at ZaraLine on Twitter. I'm at ZaraOnline on Instagram. And uh, yeah, I hope you read it. Yeah. Uh, oh, I, yeah, I'm, I'm an idiot because I forgot that we won't be doing like a separate outro for this. So we should thank Dee McDonald for the artwork. Yeah. Uh, thank Brian for producing this episode. Thank the Headstuff Podcast Network for having us. Go listen to some other podcasts on the Headstuff Podcast Network. For instance, uh, the next season of Roast Chestnut should be back by now, which is <gasps> me and Gene Sutton talking about Christmas films. Unreal. Uh, or Sexy Beast with Tony Cantwell, which is great. And I'm Alan underscore McGuire on everything. And Juvenalia is Juvenalia underscore something everywhere. <laughs> if, you ser- if you search for Juvenalia, you'll find it, but it'll be some permutation yeah. of Juvenalia and podcast. I also have a podcast called oh, yeah. The School for Dumb Women. It's very good. It's all right. It's not as good as this. It's all right. <laughs> Sorry, Hannah and Alex. They, they won't get this I far into it. They I won't be listening. I didn't coach her to say that. <laughs> anyway, goodbye, everybody. Bye. Bye. HPN, the Headstuff Podcast Network. See headstuff.org for more details.